when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there if he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Padnote and I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how you doing today? I'm great. You know, this is our last podcast before baseball is back, before games are played. Uh, it's really exciting, you know. It's smelling like baseball in the air. I'm just, uh, I'm super stoked. So, yeah. Uh, just quick question: What does baseball smell like? Um, I, I don't have the answer for that. It just smells like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you just know it when you smell it. Yeah. I was trying to think of something witty there, and it just it wasn't coming to me. We're, I'm not sharp on my toes today. All right. Well, I guess we'll let you slide this time. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and dive right in. The uh, The biggest news in baseball right now is that Manny Machado signed a 10-year, $300 million contract as of about, what, two hours ago, three hours ago, give or take, at the time of this recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he signs with the San Diego Padres, 10 years, $300 million. So, uh, real quick, Ty, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's about as expected. Um, I'm honestly not as shocked as some people are that he did go to San Diego. Um, I thought that that made a lot of sense for him. Um, they're going to have a really nice infield now with uh, – you know, obviously they got Hosmer's coming back off of a down year, but then uh, you know Tatis and um, and now adding Machado to that with uh, Urias in the mix, and yeah, it's um, that's a that's a really that's a really nice fit for for Manny, and um, you know the Padres still have a lot of work to go, but uh, that's a that's a really good player to get in his prime. Um, you know, it's a big, big contract, but, uh, you know, San Diego, they'll, they'll, uh, they have that money. Um, so that'll, you know, that works for them, but yeah, you know, just, uh, hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Hopefully, you know, a lot of these players that don't have homes right now, a lot of good players that don't have homes are, uh, start, uh, are going to start having some, uh, some deeper conversations with teams and, you know, work out deals, uh, because uh, this is kind of ridiculous now, you know, going into to actual spring games and, you know, guys like Dallas Keuchel are, are not on a team yet. Yeah, I think this kind of has to be the hope that this breaks the logjam, so to speak. Um, you know, with the Padres signing Machado, it, I mean, it definitely eliminates them from the, the Harper race if they were ever in it. Um, but it might also... Um, begin to kind of set the uh, the Dallas Keuchel uh, market, like you mentioned, just because San Diego still needs starting pitching. Um, do they have the money to go spend whatever whatever you know Keuchel's asking for? I don't know. I don't know their payroll situation at all. 
Um, but it certainly does sound like Bryce Harper is getting ready to sign. Um, Philadelphia is kind of the, the heavy favorite right now, but I guess the White Sox are still in. Um, and I guess maybe the Nationals are still in and the Giants are still in. But it sounds like he's probably going to Philly. And at that stage, it seems pretty likely, at least to me, that Keuchel would probably go to Philly as well, just because, I mean, if you're if you're Philadelphia and you've signed Bryce Harper to this massive deal, I mean, at that point, you kind of have to, you know, go yeah. all in. So, I, I mean, we'll see what happens. And then once Keuchel goes, then you'll start to see the guys like Gio Gonzalez and uh, Irvin Sant, guys like that, they'll start to sign. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this is the uh, the crack in the dam that leads to a – you know, just a gushing of free agent moves. Cause there are some really good players still out there in free agency. Um, and like you mentioned, it, it is a little ridiculous that at this point, guys like Marwin Gonzalez and uh, Bryce Harper, obviously. And I mean, even guys who are like, like Adam Jones, like he's not a, he's not a good player uh, or he's not a great player, but he still has some value and he's just sitting out there in free agency right now. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's hopefully this, you know, this breaks the dam a little bit and we start to see some more moves because it sounds like we're going to get a Harper signing sometime before the end of this week. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how all that goes, but, uh, I mean, I, I get it from San Diego standpoint. Uh, I mean, I don't know if, if I'm a Chato, I'm not, I mean, look, it's never bad to move to San Diego. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. but man, it just, it sucks for Harper and Machado that right now the Yankees, the Red Sox, um, you know, and the Dodgers, the three biggest payroll teams they're they can't, they just couldn't be involved with this because they, they're pushing that luxury tax. So it's kind of bad timing on uh, Machado and Harper's part. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's why you kind of look at some of these guys, you know, I, I, I uh, mentioned Marwin uh, as a um, potential fit for the, for the Mariners uh, a couple days ago. And, you know, just thinking, you know, maybe some of these guys will take shorter, uh, short-term deals to, to get back on the market in a couple of years and, and try this thing again once, you know, teams like the, the Red Sox and the Dodgers, etc. Red don't have, or not pushing that luxury tax and aren't, you know, and are opening their checkbooks a little bit more than, you know, than they have been uh, as of late. Um, because, you know, right now it's when you're, when the league's wealthiest teams aren't being incredibly involved in the market, then that's a bad sign of things to come. And that's just going to continue to trickle down. Right. Um because you know a lot of these teams now they don't they don't find it fruitful to uh, sign these guys to long-term contracts if they don't believe that they can if they if they believe that that restricts them too much from building a team that can contend with the Astros and the Red Sox and the Yankees that's what you saw the Mariners do you know the Mariners somehow escaped out from under the the Robinson Cano contract and now they're only having to pay half of what he's owed. Um, and, uh, you know, more teams are, are, are thinking that way as well. And that's why you're seeing, you know, these guys go unsigned for so long. You know, you even look at, 
some of these lower tier guys like Martin Maldonado, who's a really good defensive catcher, but just hasn't found a team because right now all these teams are are so concerned with where these higher um, tout, highly touted free agents are, are are going, and they're just kind of waiting for that for the market to come to them instead of setting the market instead. Right. I I do think uh, a lot of this is, and this is uh, wildly unpopular, I know, is that I think players who are entering free agency now, you know, they're bubble burst, just like a real estate market, just like, you know, the housing market back in 2009, you know, prices kept going and going and going. And eventually the market wised up and said no. And then these guys just missed that window. And, but I do think it's funny that for all the talk of, you know, how ridiculous it is. Teams aren't spending money, blah, 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 yakety, yakety, yak. I mean, at the end of the day, Machado got his $300 million. Harper's going to get more than $300 million, And they basically got the contracts we all kind of expected that they would get. So, I mean, it, it took a little longer than people wanted. But at the end of the day, I think the results are pretty much going to be the same, at least for the top guys, Harper and uh, Machado. So, yeah, I mean... But I mean, you you know, you look at someone like Mike Mustakis, right? Mike mm-hmm. Mustakis, he's not fantastic, but he's probably in most, you know, in most markets of the past, he's probably a fourteen to fifteen million dollar player, right? And he got nine million for one year with a second year option, um, you know, and that's probably what you're going to see someone like Marwan Gonzalez get it, when you know Marwan probably in most years would have gotten 16 to 17 million a year. Yeah, he might've, uh, I just, I don't know, man. It's like the middle class is definitely the class that's hurting. Um, and of course the, uh, the underclass, the pre arb guys, uh, they've been getting screwed for the last, I don't know how long, uh, probably forever really. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're not getting anywhere near what they're worth. So, it's but the, as as far as like oh they're not handing away mega contracts anymore like get the hell out of here man we're gonna see two yeah. in a matter of days um and this what like three years ago Stanton got three hundred twenty five million over yeah. thirteen years and Cano got two fifty uh, over and tr- ten and, yeah and Trout's about to hit the market too so you're gonna see another massive contract. Right, and Scherzer got almost thirty million dollars. Kershaw got almost Kershaw got thirty million dollars. Uh, you know, so this idea that teams are being cheap—I, I'm not saying they're not, but I'm also <coughs> sorry. I'm also not saying that they're like—I, I don't know. I'm not saying that they're colluding. Um, would I like to? Is it more fun when teams spend money and get better? Absolutely. Uh, but. Unfortunately, I think that era has passed. I think teams are being a lot smarter with their money. Um, and that may suck as a fan, but when you win, then nobody really cares who you did or didn't sign at the end of the day. Uh, so just win. Um, I don't know. It's just it, one, it's an unfortunate thing for the players that they didn't that this group of players didn't get in when the market was high, but that's just timing. and you know, they didn't have great timing. It's not their fault. Um, but I don't really think it's necessarily the ownership's, uh, fault either. So uh-huh. we'll see. I mean, I don't, 
the Cubs, uh, the Cubs owner was recently asked why they didn't have any kind of like, why they didn't make any major splashes this off season. And he said, because we don't have the money. Um, is that, is that a simplification? Yeah. Because does the Cubs ownership have the money? Yes, they do. Every mm-hmm. owner has the money. The question is though, whether or not it is smart, uh, both financially and baseball wise to spend big money for a team like the Cubs and for teams on the other end of the spectrum, like the Mariners, it just, there's a very small market of teams that these big deals make sense for. And the players are mad about that when in reality, that's just the reality. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I I don't want to come off sounding like I'm, you know, pro billionaire, but also I, I don't think the players are being oppressed. Um, certainly not the upper class. Um, I, I really don't need to hear anything from Justin Verlander on the topic. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry your feelings are hurt, but I, I don't care what you think. I really don't. I mean, if Adam Jones wants to talk about how he doesn't have a job yet, I'm willing to listen. Um, Mike Moussakis can complain all he wants because he's earned it. But Justin, dude, you've got your big deal. You're going to get another one in what, a year? Just, yep. just be quiet. I, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and now going back to, to San Diego and, and kind of looking at what they're doing, you know, you mentioned that really now they need pitching and if they don't get Keuchel, who's really the, the only big name out on the market, because you look at the next tier of guys, that's kind of like Gio Gonzalez and Irvin Santana, et cetera. Not really guys that will that'll shift the needle. Keuchel is kind of that guy. Um, but if they miss out on Keuchel, you know, they don't really have an ace or, or anything of that mold. They, they might not even have a number two or even a, a solid number three at this point. Um, so does Mike Leak now enter the equation because even if they do get Keuchel, they still need pitching to build around Keuchel and leak being a San Diego native. Uh, he was involved in the, uh, in the talks with, um, uh, for, for Gene Segura, you know, to be packaged in a deal with Gene Segura for, for, um, Will Myers, that was that rumor that came out from Ken Rosenthal back in December. You know, do those conversations open up again? And um, what what would a return look like for Leak now that the market is a lot smaller in terms of starting pitching and the Padres seem like they're somewhat ready to to go in on contending? Yeah, I mean, you look at the rotation the Padres have, it's not good. They have plenty of young arms in their system who are close. Um, But to get the rotation to where it needs to be to compete, um, either in 2019 or 2020, that would probably require rushing a few of these guys, um, which you don't have to do if you're the Padres. So I I think a veteran makes sense. Again, it'll be interesting to see how much money they're willing to spend on Keuchel. Um, I'm not sure if it's really a, an AAV problem. I wonder if it's more of Keuchel wants five years. Um, you know, I'm sure he's asking five one hundred. Um, now he might be willing to take like five eighty. 
uh, that's still pretty, that's pr- pretty a substantial chunk there. So I think uh, Mike Leak is from the San Diego area. He has the no trade clause. I'm 95% sure he will waive that to go to San Diego. He wants to be on the West Coast. He wants spring training in Arizona. Um, and heck, I mean, you can't get any closer to his current spring training home than uh, San Diego because, well, he would just pick up his uh, his gear and walk over to the next uh, locker room. So I, I think there are some there. It does make some sense um, uh, to match up on a trade there, and I think they will be interested because it sounds like they were earlier this off season. Um, as for a return, you know, I know everybody looks at the. Uh, they had what 10, 11 guys in the MLB prospect ranks and. You know, pretty much anywhere you look, they have between eight and ten in that top one hundred. I don't think mm-hmm. the Mariners are getting any of those guys. Um, in fact, it may be something where the Mariners trade Mike Leak and they get Travis Jankowski. You know, just kind of a major league guy who hasn't really popped yet. Um, so yeah, I, I just I don't think they're going to get anything major. I think they might get. Uh, kind of like a C plus prospect, uh, maybe a reliever or possibly somebody who has some major league seasoning, but hasn't really put it all together yet. Like maybe an Austin hedges type. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I don't see, a the Mariners aren't going to get a ton for Mike Leak, but he is probably the second best pitcher available on the market right now. Uh, and maybe even number one, Keiko's a little overrated. So, uh, We'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a natural fit there, and I think the Mariners uh, definitely should explore uh, that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, you look at at, at the Mariners' rotation uh, as well and, and think, um, you know, to get get clear uh opportunities for for guys like justice sheffield eric swanson etc throughout this season one of these guys is going to have to go at some point uh whether that be with leblanc or or leak or um you know of course felix um but considering the situation that they're in right now you know it it looks like leak is that guy right he's also making a little bit of money yeah and so that kind of, you know, that kind of leads us into, you know, each week, or, you know, over the last two weeks, we, we've been previewing the um, Mariners infield and, and, and the Mariners outfield. Now, I think, you know, we should look at the starting pitchers whom I've already uh, written about and previewed on the site, SotoMojo.com. Um, you know, but what is your grasp of, of where this rotation is and, and how things will will work out? Um, once, you know, guys like Sheffield and Swanson and Dunn, et cetera, um, start to, to get closer. Sure. Um, I think it's pretty safe to assume that the starting five is basically locked down right now, uh, barring any kind of trade or, uh, injury. It's going to be in some order. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, you say Kikuchi, Mike Leak, Wade LeBlanc and Felix Hernandez. Um, so, I mean, that's probably going to be it again, unless there's a trade, which we just talked about as possible, um, in terms of who's the first one to go, um, you know, I, 
technically the Mariners could start LeBlanc in the bullpen. Um, they did that last year. He has experience there. Um, you're not going to, you know, disrupt development if you uh, if you make that switch. Uh, LeBlanc pretty much is what he is right now. Um, so that's a possibility. I think ultimately, again, barring injury, which we can't predict, uh, I think the first guy to go is going to end up being Leak. I just think they like LeBlanc because of, because of his extreme team-friendly deal. I think they think it makes more sense to hold on to him. Um, if he put, if he pitch, if he uh, pitches like he did last year and he puts up another similar season, he's a legitimate number four starter. Um, and that has value right now. I don't know if you can get a number four starter return for him. Um, so you might as well keep him. I don't think they're going to move Felix to the bullpen. Um, I don't think that really helps anybody. So I, I think, you know, to get justice, to get justice and to get, uh, Swanson in the rotation, um, I think you're probably looking at a trade of Mike Leak, and then an injury, um, being pretty much the only way that that happens, um, coming out of spring training, at least. Mm-hmm. Did you see, uh, earlier today, um, Roots Sports posted one, of uh, like a, a snippet of their interview with, um, Wade LeBlanc and he, he says that he is working on a secret pitch. <laughs> and he stared into the camera for a second when he said that. It's it's pretty yeah. great. It's pretty great. But uh, uh I love I'm very, I'm very intrigued by what the secret pitch is. I mean What are your thoughts? <laughs> on what the secret pitch is? Yes. Um it's a screwball. All right. I mean because like you know, when you look at someone with with a Wade LeBlanc's, um, we'll call it capabilities. <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard to figure out what an, uh, what you know, what could enter his repertoire. Right. I mean, maybe it's like a, a floater or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, man. It's Wade LeBlanc's one of those guys. It's just fun to watch him pitch. Um, yeah. Just because he's become the rarity. Um, it used to be guys like LeBlanc were a dime a dozen. Uh, now he's the freak who goes out there and throws in the mid eighties and get guys, gets guys out. And the guys who throw 100, you're like, yeah, well, I see that pretty much every night. So, I mean, it's kind of funny how that flipped, uh, so quickly, but yeah, the, the secret pitch, that'll be, uh, that'll be something to watch. I suppose I, uh, I mean, yeah, um, I'm very intrigued by that. So, you know, and that and that's the fun thing about this uh, about this season is I, you know, it's so uh, there are no expectations, so you can just go into it with a fun mindset. And I'm really excited about watching spring training with go, with that mindset, um, because it's it's just it's fun and it's figuring out what this team is moving forward, um, and. I think it's good for the you know we're we're getting a little bit away from the starting pitches, but real quick I wanted to say I think it's it, it's good for the fans, really because, you know this is the first time that that the Mariners have explicitly said that they're rebuilding and taking a step back and they don't expect to make the playoffs this year. I think that takes a lot of pressure off and that takes a lot of the edge off for the fans. You know, a lot of the disappointment has stemmed from this team saying. 
we want to end the, the drought. And um, and now that this year that they've clearly said to the fans, we, you know, this is going to take a couple of years. I think that's going to make this year pretty fun and a less and, and a lot less tense than it has been. Right. Um, funny thing is, is that the fans apparently would be much happier if they were just lied to. Um, because a lot of them are not happy that the Mariners are coming out and saying, we're not trying to make the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, I just, I think it's, I agree with you. I think this will be a fun year. You can just sit back, watch baseball. Don't have to stare at the standings and hope that, you know, two teams in front of you, you know, trip up and you have a nice hot streak and all that stuff. Um, it's very similar to, you know, how I entered the, uh, the Seahawks, uh, 2018 season, where, you know, it's just I'm just going to watch. I'm going to enjoy. I think they're better than people think. I think they could surprise a few people and sneak into the playoffs. And they did. And they were really fun to watch. And, um, you know, playoffs or not, I was very happy with how that season ended. Um, it made me more confident going forward. And I think that's how you're going to view this Mariners team. I really do. Um, and while fans might not like that they're admitting to stepping back, I mean, the alternative is, is that they keep lying to you and telling you, oh, we're going to try to end the drought while also saying, and our goal is to win 85 games. Like those two things don't correlate. They're not, you can't say one thing and mean the other. It's one or the other. Um, cause 85 wins isn't going to get you into the playoffs. It's not. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to just be a, a fun year to just watch some baseball, watch some guys develop, go in there without any expectations and allow yourself to be surprised. I mean, I think that's probably the best way to go. So going back to the rotation, Mm -hmm. um, what do you, you know, what are your expectations for, for guys like Marco Gonzalez and, uh, Yusei Kikuchi? Um, I think it's just about avoiding the, the one year uh, or the one month hiccup. Um, You know, he really struggled in August last year. And aside from that, he was like a top 20 pitcher in the American league. Um, I don't know if it's fair to expect that over a full season. Um, But I think it's about, you know, Marco having, you know, a high three ERA getting, you know, 180 innings under his belt um, you know, just being a solid number three, uh, sometimes look like a number two, sometimes be a number five. That's okay. Uh, I, I, my concern with Marco is that he set the bar so high last year that if it dips even a little bit, people will freak out. And I just, I don't know if Marco can get better than he did la- than he was last year. Um, the league's kind of seen him once now, but also he's got, he's got the stuff. He's got the the command he'll be fine. Um, you know, if he repeats last year with a little bit more consistency, uh, you know, he just avoids the one uh, terrible month and doesn't have a, a Cy Young, you know, type of month. Mm-hmm. I think just a consistent repeat of his numbers last year is actually a step in the right direction. Um, you know, keep building up that inning because you do eventually want him to be the 180 to 200 innings pitch type of guy. Um, and as for Kikuchi, I mean, I think you're probably going to see him at about 140 innings, give or take, um, 150 maybe. I think he's probably going to strike out about a batter per inning, 
I'm going to guess he has a high three ZRA. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a solid number three, number four type of pitcher this year. So, I mean, I, I don't expect either one of them to be an ace. Uh, I don't think they have to be. And I think they're just going to be really fun to watch. I, I think there will be days where they look like an ace. Um, and I think there'll be days where they both look kind of like number fives. And that that's okay because it's about seeing what you have this year. Um, so, yeah, Kikuchi, I expect a lot of strikeouts uh, and a lot of fun. And for Marco, I, I just expect a consistent uh, repeat of what he did last year. Yeah, I um, you know the one the one thing that that um makes me a bit confident in in Marco um continuing on the path he's gone is that when he when he did have that bad month, a lot of it was command issues. It wasn't more just being figured out and getting blown up. Um, I think. You know, th- this is now his third year removed from the Tommy John surgery. That's about the the timeline that that most give players to fully recover from that from that surgery. And um, I think this is kind of a big year to see where exactly Marco is. And mm-hmm. is last year the his ceiling, or is his ceiling even a little bit above that? Um, or did he just simply overachieve last year? You know, there's there's a lot of questions there, and I I think, um, not a lot of uh, not a lot of people have been talking about Marco and how and how important um, this year is for for him and and his development, um, because if if Marco exceeds expectations this year if, if let's say that his ceiling is higher than it was last year and he's a true number two in many rotations let's just say that that's a huge huge win for the mariners moving forward um now if he's more of a, you know, more where he was last year and has a few hiccups here and there, as you said, which is my expectation for him, that's still a really good pitcher to have moving forward. It's not a fantastic pitcher, but it's it, Marco is a really good uh, guy to have in, in your rotation at the back end or in right smack dab in the middle, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, anything more than that is great, but I think that should be the expectation set for him. Um, as for Kikuchi, I do believe that Kikuchi has a higher ceiling than most have put on him. I think that he could be a strong number two in in the MLB, but I don't think that will be this year. Um, I really uh, do expect him to to struggle quite a bit. Um, Plus, you know, they're not going to give him a lot of uh, a lot of time. You know, they'll they'll have those, you know, uh, outings every now and then where they just put him out there for about, you know, one inning or so. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of this will be him just figuring through uh, figuring things out and, you know, waiting through the uh, waiting through the water uh, and just um, kind of understanding what what kind of pitcher he wants to be at the major league level. Yeah, and if, 
if that production uh, reflects a, a you know a number three a number four that doesn't really matter to me i just want to see solid progression throughout the year for kikuchi i want him to, i want to see him become more comfortable in pitching mm-hmm. throughout this season and against these you know these higher caliber hitters right i, I think that's fair um you know, it is a big culture shock when you come over from Japan. Uh, I've never done it, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm an expert. Um, but, you know, Kikuchi seems to be a guy who's prepared for this. Um, and, you know, we have seen Japanese players come over and not need any, or the at least the adjustment time doesn't affect them on the field. Um, and I think that's totally possible here. Um I don't know what to expect with Kikuchi. Honestly, this year for me is kind of a, it's a year to scout, see what you have, but I don't think you want to make any like, uh, harsh proclamations on him one way or the other. If he comes over and he looks great, let's not say, Oh, he's, you know, he's the next Masiro Tanaka. Or if he comes over and he struggles a little bit, let's not say, well, that's a bad contract. Let's see what the guy has. Um, like you mentioned, there's an adjustment period, um, I don't know for me, I think he's going to, I think he's going to strike guys out. I think that's always going to be part of his game. Um, so I, I don't think, I don't have any concern that his stuff won't play in the big leagues. The stuff is plenty good. Um, so we'll see. I, I think the concern, I think there's some legitimate concern with his shoulder. Uh, I think that makes sense. I think there's a concern about whether or not he can hold up. Um, you know, over the entire season, uh, because it is different in Japan In Japan, you pitch once a week. Um, you know, that's just how it works. Um, uh, major league baseball, it's once every five days. Uh, but the Mariners seem to have a plan, uh, a plan that apparently sold Kikuchi on the Mariners, by the way. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they manage him and all that stuff, how he manages himself, um, his composure level and all that stuff. I don't know. I, I think that, I think Kikuchi is going to have a pretty solid rookie year. Um, you know, I just, I hope that people aren't look going into the season, expecting him to be the best version of himself. I think that's a bit uh, ridiculous to expect in year one. Mm-hmm. So on Thursday, uh, which is expected to be the, the opener, there is likely to be rain in the forecast. So the game might be canceled, but if the game go, uh, if, uh, if they do play it, um, it looks like Marco is going to start that game and Justice Sheffield will uh, come in right after him. And both are expected to throw two innings. Um, and that kind of leads me into, you know, into asking you what, um, what do you expect out of Justice Sheffield this year? And additionally, Eric Swanson and maybe even Justin Dunn. Sure. Um, I suspect you'll see Justice Sheffield and Eric Swanson at the big league level. Um, Swanson probably comes first. He might be in the bullpen. I don't know for sure. Uh, But if I was running the Mariners, I would try very hard to have a rotation in place where I can send uh, both Sheffield and Swanson down to AAA. Um, And not even really as a, not as a service time, uh, you know, counter, type of thing um for swanson it doesn't matter the guy's 25 Uh, i think he actually turns 26 pretty soon if i'm not mistaken um but yeah so he's he's either ready or he's not um but i do think there's some 
um, some value in letting Eric Swanson see if he is either a starter or a reliever. Um, I, I don't know if the Mariners have a clear plan on that yet. Uh, for me, they absolutely should be seeing if he can start. Uh, the question seems to be whether or not he has the uh, the off-speed stuff to get through a lineup two or three times. I think they need to let him see if he can. Uh, just because on the odds, on the maybe it's a 15% chance that Swanson's a number four starter, and you know, or he could be like a seventh inning guy right now with 85% certainty. It's worth the risk to see if this guy can be your number four starter going forward. Um, so I hope he goes to AAA. I wouldn't be shocked if he starts the year with the team in the Japan series, just to kind of, you know, extra insurance. He can go a couple innings and then he gets sent right back down. Uh, Sheffield, I don't, I don't want to see him. Um, early in the year, I really don't need to see him in Japan. Um, there's, there's not a ton of, for him to do in the minors. I understand that. Uh, he, he could refine his command a little bit. That is one thing that he needs to work on. Uh, but I expect him to come up sometime in June or July, uh, maybe May, if things work out right. Um, and I expect him to be, you know, pretty a pretty solid pitcher. I, I think Sheffield's a number two if everything works out. Uh, this year I would expect him to put up you know, assuming he gets, let's say it's 100 innings. I don't know what the exact number is. But if it's 100 innings in the big leagues, I suspect he'll strike out, I don't know, 90 guys, give or take. Um, I think he'll probably post a low four ERA. Uh, I, I just, I want to see what he, I want to see him comfortable in the big leagues. Um, and I want to see him throwing better strikes. Um, just don't walk, guys. That's really all I'm worried about. The, the one stat I'm looking for for Sheffield is based on balls per nine. Um, no matter where he pitches, I want to see that be a plus for him because uh, the stuff is certainly good enough. So uh, for Swanson, I I would be shocked if Swanson doesn't spend a significant amount of time uh, with the Mariners this year. Uh, Sheffield, we'll see. I would like to see him start the year in AAA, um, and I don't want to see him called up as the first option um, unless he's earned it. So, um, if, you know, if Marco goes down for a couple weeks in May, I don't want them to call up justice Sheffield just because, um, I'd rather they call up, you know, try Matt Festa in the rotation or call up Eric Swanson or, uh, you know what I mean? I just, I don't want them to feel like they have to get him in the big leagues as soon as possible. Uh, take your time with him. Um, and as for Justin Dunn, I don't need to see him in the big leagues this year. I don't want to see them switch him into the bullpen this year. I want to see, I want to give him 25 starts or whatever it is in double a, maybe call him up to triple a if you need to. Um, but I want to see what he can do as a starter before I have any attempt to move him to the bullpen. It just doesn't make sense to move Justin Dunn to the bullpen right now. Uh, that might be his ultimate home, but I think you got to let this guy ride and see what he can do. Um, so I hope that he starts all year in double a maybe comes up in August or September to triple a. Um, but honestly, I don't really want to see him with the Mariners in 2019. I think 2020 is a good place for him. You know, looking for me, I, you know, I look at justice Sheffield and, and like you said, I, I need to see, um, more, uh, I need to see more improvement with the command command has been, uh, 
probably the biggest problem that has followed him around with scouting reports and just uh, overall perception um, of his skill set. You know, with Sheffield, I I think he could use a little more time at AAA. I think that'll do him some good. Um, I think that's their plan with him. Um, Plus, you know, right now with the rebuild and everything, they don't want to, you know, take his service time down, you know, uh, if they don't have to, right? Right. Uh, uh, Then with Swanson, you know, I do think that Swanson is uh, better suited for the bullpen. Um, doesn't really have that secondary pitch um, that you know he 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 really you know that he needs to 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 lean on because you know if his fastball isn't going and his fastball is fantastic but if that's not going then um, he doesn't really have a whole lot to work off of um, but that'll be interesting to see what kind of opportunities the Mariners give him this year um, I. You know, we talked about this, uh, I believe, last week. You know, I believe that he'll he'll be in Japan uh, with the team, um, likely as an extra arm, since they they'll be given the three extra spots on their roster. Um, and then Justin Dunn, I can see him coming up, uh, maybe in September, uh, maybe making a start. I don't know. I think that's a bit of a stretch, though. Um, they don't really need him. They don't really need to to see him at the major league level this year. Um, I'm fine with it if if it, if it happens, but it doesn't need to. Um, as you said, uh, I think it would just be better for for Dunn to, you know, uh, get you know a bit more experience at the double A level uh, and um, wind up in in Tacoma. Uh, by mid-season or by the end of the season, and just uh, and wrap that up and and go in with um and, and go into 2020 building off of that, you know whether he he does that as a as a starter or as a reliever. But obviously, you know given uh you know the package that you gave up to to get him and and Kellenic, you you'd like for him to be a, a starter that would you know bring a lot more value back to you, um. But also, if he's a top end reliever, which is what he should be, uh, if he if he isn't um, a major league starter, uh, you know, I see a very high ceiling for him as a reliever. But you'd like for him to be that starter instead, um, right now, right. at least. Right. I, I think for Don, it's about getting to a hundred and. Uh, 50 innings, maybe 160. I mean, the guy made 24 starts last year. He got to 135. Uh, you'd like to see him build on that. But like you mentioned, I, for Dunn, the the floor really is a high leverage reliever. I mean, it's an incredibly high floor. Uh, so if the Mariners really did just want to make him a reliever, he'd be a really good one, and he could be up by you know June, um, similar to Edwin Diaz, really. But it just doesn't make any sense for them to to push for that because they're not planning on competing this year. They're not really planning on competing next year. So for a guy like Dunn, I think you have to give him the opportunity to show you that he's not a starter. Um, and you know, I'll say when when a guy like Keith Law has Justin Dunn highly rated, I think that's something that you really have to take into consideration 
because Keith Law, love him or hate him, is really good at his job. I mean, he's one of the best prospect guys there is. And when he has him ranked in the 50s and everybody else has him in the 90s, I, I think that's something that you have to take notice of. I think that I think you have to give this guy a shot to prove to you that he's not a starter before you even think about moving him off the rotation. So there's no reason to push him. So I don't want to see Justin Dunn in a Mariners uniform in, 2020, in 2019, um, even as a September call-up. I think if that happens, it means something's gone really wrong. Um, and I just I don't want to see it. I don't yeah. – I'm fine calling up, you know, if you need a spot start or whatever and you're out of options, go put Tommy Malone on the 40-man roster. I don't care. You know, it just yeah. – I don't want to rush any of these guys. There's no reason to. Um and right now, you know, the Mariners starting the future starting rotation looks to be a strength. So keep it that way. I just I don't I don't want Dunn to be rushed. I don't want Sheffield to be rushed, but I think Sheffield is more or less ready. Um, so, yeah, I would just I expect Sheffield to get. 10, 15 starts with the Mariners this year, um, maybe more, depending on if or when they trade Mike Leake. Um, I expect Swanson to get a handful of starts, probably a handful of bullpen appearances as well. And Dunn just can stay in double A and triple A. Like I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, aside from that, the Mariners really don't have immense depth in their starting rotation. Um, you know, Rob Whalen's still around. Um, Max Posey's still around. Ricardo Sanchez, maybe, but that's probably another guy you want to see uh, spend the whole year in double A. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if there's a super emergency and the Mariners need to grab somebody to start right now, the only guy that has like major league, like, you know, like any track record of major league success is Tommy Malone. Um, I mean, I'm still hoping to see them grab a veteran on a minor league deal. I mean, I'm assuming you are too, right? Yeah, I mean, like, at this point, considering who, who, the kinds of players that have been receiving minor league deals this offseason, you know, you can probably get Urban Santana on a minor league deal. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, that's a really uh, interesting option for them. Um, you know, or, or someone of, of that caliber. I mean, they... Uh, yeah, I mean, considering that, you know, they're not... Uh, planning on, you know, contending this year. I it doesn't really matter who starts. So if Tommy Malone goes out and starts ten games for the Mariners this year, who cares? Right. But uh, I don't know. I'd rather have a little little bit more veteran depth, and also you know maybe get a guy that has some upside that you can flip because these starting pitchers if they get off to a to a decent you know start to the season you can flip them and get something pretty nice for them all things considered yeah i mean nathan Eovaldi got jalen beeks um at the deadline this year and jay hap got billy mckinney mckinley those aren't like great players but they are you know c plus b minus level prospects and, you know, there's one thing we learned looking through our doing our top 30 Mariner prospect list is that there's a lot of room for growth in the middle, like that 16 through 30. I mean, it's it's fine, but you could definitely get better there. So adding guys who can 
like they may not seem like big trades, but just continuing to build the floor of your farm system that that has value. So I would love to see a guy like urban Santana. I wanted to see him last year. Um, you know, I, I think I've written three articles about him since, <laughs> since I came to the site. Uh, I don't know if I've written maybe Sonny Gray is the only other guy I've written that many articles about as a target for the Mariners. So I, I would love to see urban Santana or Gio Gonzalez or any of the guys really that might have trade value. Heck yeah. Bring them in. Especially mm-hmm. if you think there's a chance you might trade Mike Leake. And I think there is a chance that they see that. So yeah. Why wouldn't you bring in one of those guys? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another, you know, in other uh, actual Mariners news, uh, Malik Smith has a bit of a throwing elbow issue uh, sure. from from uh, doing a, what was it? It says that he kind of just overextended himself during the offseason, threw a little bit more than he should have. My greatest weakness is that I just try too darn hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, um, it appears that there's no damage to the uh, to the UCL, or it's nothing really having to do with the UCL. So they dodge a bullet there. Um, but it looks like he's going to be held from throwing for for a few weeks, uh, which means that probably it's it's possible that he doesn't uh, play in Japan. W- what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I wrote about this topic yesterday, um, articles up at the website. If it's just the Japan series, I think the Mariners are okay. Um, because especially Ichiro is going to play, so whether you like it or not. Yeah, sure, put Ichiro out there, what do I care? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think if it's just for that series, then you're okay, because honestly... Hey, Braden Bishop might make the trip now, uh, which would be awesome. Um, but yeah, apparently, basically, if worse comes to worse, and because it's a flexure bundle strain that's around the UCL, all right. Well, that's not a UCL injury. Anything around that area should give you some pause. Um, and I'm not trying to be, you know, doomsday guy here, but you know, I'm pretty sure that's the exact same way that Drew Smiley's injury started. And then next thing you know, he never throws a pitch for the Mariners, and he has Tommy John surgery. So um, you would you would describe Malik's arm as soggy, correct? I wouldn't. Scott Service might give it a few weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's always something that's going to concern me when you talk about anything around the UCL. Uh, now, long term, fortunately, that's not that big of a deal. Even if Tommy John surgery is ultimately the answer for a for a hitter. He'll be back in a year and he'll be just as good. I'm not too worried about that. Um, but in the short term, the Mariners really don't have a backup center fielder. Uh, I think right now it's Mitch Haniger, which again, if you're looking at it for two games, fine. But it's really undeniable that when you move Mitch Haniger to center field, A, you make him less valuable because he's not as good in center field as he is in right field. Um, and B, it increases the chances that he gets hurt. That's just a simple fact. Um, center field is harder to play than right field or left field. But that's really it on your 40 man roster. I mean, you have D Gordon, but you're not going to, you really don't want to move D back out to center field. Even if it is only for two games, let him be the second baseman. Ichiro, don't get me started. 
Jay Bruce, Domingo Santana, they're not center fielders, not even close. So in reality, the only other center field option you currently have on your roster right now is Braden Bishop, who's probably not ready for the big leagues um, offensively. Defensively, he'll be great. But offensively, he's not ready to face big league pitching, I don't think. But that's your only option. So, again, if it's just for the Japan Series, I think you can fake your way through two games of center field. If this thing starts to get worse, then you need to prepare to have a long-term – you need to prepare to have at least a short-term replacement because that guy doesn't exist on the roster right now. Um, And like I mentioned yesterday, there's not a ton of guys out there that the Mariners could go get to fill that spot. So they're kind of in a tough catch-22 here. I I really don't think they want to send – you know, Christopher Negron out there in center field. I don't think that's something that they want. So, so maybe, uh, you know, an option would be someone that probably isn't inclined to, to play center field anymore, but has the experience and still played there, uh, last year, Adam Jones. Yeah. I think the problem with that is that, is Adam Jones going to sign a one-year deal with the Mariners for a guarantee of two games? You know, like, like oh, because no, I'm, I'm talking if it gets worse. Oh yeah, if it gets worse, then Adam Jones on a one-year deal makes sense. Um, he's not a good center fielder. Quite frankly, he's never been that good. Uh, very overrated defensively, but I mean, he can stand out there. Um, you know, he's still got a little bit left in his bat. Uh, you know, we scoff at veteran presence and all that stuff, but with a guy as respected as Adam Jones and a youngish clubhouse, I think they're, I think that could make some sense for the Mariners. Um, you know, and obviously Adam Jones market right now is pretty much non-existent. So yeah, if, if the injury gets worse and that makes sense because, um, like if Malik, let's say he has to miss April and May, you know, really bad. I mean, it just gets worse, whatever. He has to miss a couple months. And that makes sense because at the same time, the Mariners could then maybe trade Jay Bruce by then, and Adam Jones becomes your fourth outfielder, kind of playing all three spots, yada, yada. Uh, that could make some sense. So, um, yeah, it just they're in a tough spot because Adam Jones on a one-year deal makes some sense for the Mariners. How much sense does it make for Adam Jones? I don't know. Um but they're yeah they're just in a tough spot because unless Malik is going to miss the entire year, uh, which you don't want, then trading for a guy like Jock Peterson, uh, who I mentioned yesterday, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Austin Jackson, you could sign. He's he's terrible. He's garbage. Um, Carlos Gomez, do you really want that guy around your young your young guys? Uh, probably not. I just there's just not a ton out there for them. Um, so hopefully Malik Smith, uh, you know, the injury is as it is described. Just me, whenever somebody mentions the UCL or any injury around the UCL, I get nervous. So, but yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think if it turned into a year-long thing, like if worse comes to worse and he had to get the Tommy John surgery, I, I think, honestly, uh, I think Adam Jones might make the most sense. Yeah. Um, you know, another guy that can make some sense, not immediately, but uh, probably like midway through the season is Jake Fraley. Um, he's, you know, looks to be a 
fast riser through through the ranks. He's going to start at double A this year. Um, you know, just given his defensive capabilities out there, is that an option realistically? And uh, also, you know, just quickly, uh, quickly throwing this out there, do you think that? If Malik's were to, to get the Tommy John surgery, do you think that they would, uh, assuming that Edwin Encarnacion is gone, do you think that they would bring him back to at least uh, hit a little bit in the DH role at some point this year? No. Um, no to the Malik Smith DHing thing. I think at that stage you just get him healthy. Uh, because he still, again, he still has a three years of control after that. And if he had the Tommy John surgery this early, you should be back to full strength, you know, by spring training next year. So I don't think you want to risk that. Um, as for Jake Fraley, he's certainly not an option in March. Um, yeah. He may be an option by August or September. Um maybe July even if he just continues to rake like he did last year. I think those are options. Um, but he's still, I mean, he has to leapfrog some guys. Um, you know, Kyle Lewis is probably still ahead of him. Braden Bishop is ahead of him. Uh, mm-hmm. Dom Thompson, Dom Thompson Williams might be ahead of him. So, I mean, there's still some guys that he's going to have to jump over, but I think it's a possibility we could see him this year. Um, I mean, hopefully, again, hopefully Malik Smith is healthy um, and he plays 145 games and we don't have to worry about this. Uh, but yeah, if I could Jake Fraley make his debut this year and play some center field, I think it's possible. Yeah. 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 Cause you think about someone like Fraley, you know, someone that probably wouldn't hurt you if you rushed a little bit. You know, you're not really counting on Jake Fraley to be the next big thing in your you know, in, in your organization. Um, you know, so you kind of, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, advocating this, but it's kind of like a sacrifice in a way. Right. You know, because it's just, uh, I don't know. They don't have a lot of bodies, like you said, and, um, there aren't a lot of, uh, ways they can go now at this point. Um, but, you know, it, it does seem like this isn't uh, an extremely serious uh, issue. Um, and Malik should be good to go at least by the Boston series. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Right. It, it's just something to monitor. Um, if you start seeing the word setback or, you know, they're going to slow things down or whatever, that's when I would start to not panic, but really kind of, you know, Hey, they, uh, they need to do something. Um, and you know, it's, it's Jerry DePoto. So there's there, he'll probably find a way to trade Ryan Healy for some, you know, for a center fielder and they'll just do that. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll see what happens, but again, for now, it's not major news. It's something to watch. Um, if you start seeing the word setback or slow down or things like that, uh, then I would start to really, um, I would start to really aggressively look to see what I can get in center field. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but he did get cleared for outfield uh, drills. He can't throw yet. He can't swing yet, uh, but he is doing baseball work. 
which is a good sign. So we'll see how far that goes. But hopefully mm-hmm. this will be the last time we discuss it. But again, just be on the lookout for the word setback and things like that. All right. So um, we don't have many questions this week. We got, uh, got let's see here. We I got, got three. Three. Yeah, we got three. So do you want to read those off? Sure. Uh, just a reminder, guys, uh, if you ever have any questions you you want answered on the podcast, you can just send them any time of the week. Uh, we'll just favorite them. That's how we keep track. And then we'll answer them. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you have something that you want to ask, you think of something tomorrow, you want to ask for the next podcast, don't be afraid to uh, send it to us. Just make sure to uh, to let us know that this is a question for the podcast, um, if that's what you're looking to do. So. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with uh, uh, the Seattle nine at Seattle underscore zero nine on Twitter. Uh, it sends us lots of good questions. Uh, really, not, really good member of our community. So uh, thanks for the question. Um, he wants to know with Machado landing 300 million for 10 years, what do we think Harper's going to get? Um, hmm. That's a really good question, you know, because like there have been numbers thrown around. I think the I think the years will remain the same. I think he'll get ten. I think he'll get slightly above three hundred million, though. What do you think? I don't know. Probably ten, like three fifteen ish, maybe. Yeah. yeah. An extra million per year. We don't have Machado's entire contract yet. Um, at least I don't think we do. Um, but I would tend to suspect that both players will have an opt out worked into their deal somewhere. Um, yeah, Machado has an opt out after the sixth year, I believe. All right, I, I bet Harper gets one after the third or fourth year. Um, so that, that would be my guess. 10, 3, 10, and then you know, an opt-out after year three or four, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be my guess on Harper. Um, all right, so thanks for the question. Next, we're going to move on to a question from uh, Max Berman at Maxwell underscore Berman on Twitter. Uh, he wants to know, is there a universe where the Mariners get one more Big-ish free agent. Um, he mentions the names uh, Gio Gonzalez, Dallas Keuchel, Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, for me, the answer is no. I see. You know, I I, I wrote about Marwin. Uh, I like the idea. I don't know if that's actual like a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll say maybe uh, Gio Gonzalez. Uh, could be, but I, I more so like the idea of Irvin Santana on a minor league deal. Um, and then Kai Cole, no. Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't throw Gio into the big ish free agent. He's a mm-hmm. bigger name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like if he's wants a major league deal, I could probably get Santana on a minor league deal and Santana just might be a better pitcher right now. So, um, we'll see, but honestly, no, I don't, I still do expect them to make, some kind of minor league signing of a either a veteran catcher or starting pitcher. Um, but we've been saying that for the last like three or four podcasts now and nothing. So, <laughs> so if so I, we'll if see. I had to, if I had to put my money on someone that's, uh, that has a recognizable name, uh, I'd say Martin Maldonado. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be very nice kind of as a, a mentor to Omar Narvaez and uh, still a pretty, a pretty good player. So that would be nice. Um, he said, I've been after Irvin Santana for a while, so I'll keep hoping that that's the guy they sign. 
Um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for the question, Max. Uh, finally, we have a question from our old friend, Dan Clark, uh, at Dan Clark Mariner on Twitter. Uh, he's asking uh, who our favorite Mariner that played under 200 games for the team is. So I'm pretty sure I know your answer, Ty. So why don't you go first? Yeah. So uh, the clear answer is day holy. Uh, <laughs> our, our, you know, our, otherwise oh known God. as otherwise known as the good Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> Take that Colton. God. Boom. God. Damn dude. <laughs> you and Colton have been going at it the last week, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, like, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of true. <laughs> I won't, I won't argue with you there, but yeah, like, uh, Deho was, uh, was amazing uh, to have. And, uh, what was it? 2016. Yeah. He was incredible. Uh, such a fun guy to, to root for and, and watch. He had 14 bombs that, that walk off Homer against the Rangers was amazing off Jake Diekman. God, that was incredible. Uh, yeah, just every moment with Deho Lee was just amazing. He was, you know, he had a big role in that, in the huge comeback against the, uh, against the Padres. Uh, he also played a, a pretty big role in another comeback against the A's in Oakland. I, re- I remember that game. It was early on in the season. I, re- I don't remember which specific series it was. I remember I was on break at work and I, and I saw the home run on my phone and, uh, almost lost it in my break room. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, Deho so fun uh, was so sad when he, when he got sent down to triple a, but then he came back and yeah, that was a, that was a fun time having Deho Lee on the team. So, and I know, you know, he's doing really well out in the MPB. He's the highest. I saw last night. He was uh, the highest paid. He's the highest paid player in, in the MPB right now. And uh, as I tweeted, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, Say so you're going to pick Deholy. Here's one for you. I'm going to pick somebody who's never played a game in a Mariners uniform, and that is Jared Kelnick because he's got the quads and the forearms of a Greek god. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, in all seriousness, the correct answer is Braden Bishop. Uh, no. <laughs> Again, but <laughs> as, as for somebody who's actually played a game in a Mariners uniform, I'm going to go with Leonis Martin. Uh, I love that guy. He played 180 games. He almost got to 200. Uh, the smile, the, the arm, the power, the defense. I just, I loved watching Leonis Martin. Um, you know, I really wish the Mariners could have reacquired him last year. Uh, at the deadline, that was one of my targets. I just, I really liked the guy. Um, he seems to play the game with a lot of passion. I remember his walk-off home run against the A's. Um, they tried to throw him three changeups in a row. I think it was Madsen. And he took two huge swings and misses at the first two. Then Matson gave him another one and he let it ride. Uh walk off yep. homer. That was always cool. That, um, yeah, that 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 was one of my favorite moments. Right. Of that year. I, I remember him crashing into the wall to save a one to nothing win over the Royals. Yep. Uh and the next day they outlined his body on the wall. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just remember all the big time are like the big time throws. Uh, and he would like almost dare people to run on him. Uh, and then they would take two steps and he would just unleash his cannon and they would just freeze right in their tracks. I, I just, I really like Leonis Martin. Um, he's probably one of my favorite players ever. Uh, so he's definitely my favorite player 
in terms of Mariners who played fewer than 200 games. So I'm going Leon a smart team. Yeah. I'm going to mention a name. Uh, I know he's he's played at, oh, over 200 games, but I, I'm sure he's like kind of just right over that mark. Uh, Charlie Fur- Furbush. Charlie <laughs> Furbush was really was a really fun dude. I like that guy. Um, I know that's kind of cheating on this on the on the question, but yeah, I already mentioned one, so whatever. I just wanted to throw in Charlie Furbush in there. <laughs> hey man, I pre I think I tweeted I think I cheated twice, so you can yeah. cheat once. That's fine. <laughs> So yeah, uh, yeah, Furbush was a fun guy. Uh, Tom Wilhelmson, the bartender, that's another guy. I don't know yep. if he got over 200 games or not. Um, I bet he was pretty close. Uh, but yeah, I really like uh, the bartender. He was a good one. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, fun players, but uh, for me, it's Leonis Martin. So uh, thanks for the question, Dan. And that's those are the questions that we got. And we are over. We are at like 68 minute podcast. So. We came into this thinking we might not be able to fill 45 minutes, and here we are. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Ty, do you have anything you want to say to wrap this up? Um, well, you know, the, things are going to get a lot busier here uh, now that the Mariners are going to be playing games. Uh, we're going to have recaps of the uh, spring games in case you miss them, because a lot of people just you know miss these spring games. They happen, you know, during the day, during the you know during the week. A lot of the time, so uh, expect to see that. Um, we'll also uh, we're also continuing our uh, position by position previews. Uh, we'll have first base out uh, either tomorrow or the day after, uh, and we're also going to uh, continue our uh, top thirty prospects list, which uh, Colby just released uh, fifteen through eleven, and uh, we'll be starting the the top ten. I uh, I assume pretty soon. So. So keep an eye on the website, sotomojo.com. A uh, lot of great content coming out as the season starts. Um, and, you know, a lot of questions that, that need to be answered. And uh, we're going to start hopefully getting some of those answers uh, over the next uh, few weeks. So it's a really exciting time. I'm super excited. I know I, I'm sure you are. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to, to, to watch the, the games starting Thursday, hopefully, as long as it doesn't get rained out. And, uh, yeah, uh, just super excited about, um, about the season getting going. Yep. Uh, so I'll just sign off by saying, guys, make sure you, uh, follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Soto Mojo FS. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. We're looking for to add writers for the upcoming season. So if you guys want to write about, uh, the Mariners, uh, go ahead and reach out to us on Twitter. We'll help you get set up and all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, just that we're here, guys. We did it. It's baseball season. The Mariners are going to step foot on a on a playing surface and play against a different team in, what, two days? Uh, that's freaking awesome. So uh, we did it, guys. We survived the offseason. Uh, it's always tough, uh, but we did it. So we're here. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this year as well. So um, from all of us here at SotoMojo.com, I guess we just will say uh, – Have fun, guys, and I'll see you in another life. Peace. Peace.